It works. It works this time. <laughs> yeah. The sound of full Very description good. and everything. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's, it's not your fault. It's some. I can't tech support through the phone, which is why I don't do those type of jobs. So, yeah. It is. Yeah. So, since All we right. got everybody here, um, mm-hmm. first, I want you both to uh, reintroduce yourselves. I'm sorry, Rocky. Oh, okay. Um, do what? Just name and what? What yeah, else? Just say just who name. you are and what you what you write for, I guess, and what you do. Okay, sure. Uh, my name is Rocky or Roxana Hadadi. I write for Pajiba.com and sometimes Brightwall, Darkroom, and the AV Club, and uh, I write about movies and TV. Okay, May. I'm May Abdulbaki. I also review movies and TV um, over at the Young Folks at MoviesWithMay.com, and I freelance at Inverse. See, y'all got some y'all got some upgrades. You know, y'all evolved like Pokemon. Yeah. So I need y'all to read. <laughs> I need y'all to reintroduce yourselves. Y'all got like credits now, you know. So what we're going to talk about today is um, our disappointments in Game of Thrones. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I'm not even going to say like, oh, you know what we feel like that joint was trash, but um, <laughs> all of our feelings were bad. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I want to get you guys uh initial thoughts. I want to start with May and go to Rocky because Rocky might be a bit longer. She read like all the books like 87,000 times, but um, mm-hmm. let's start with May. About the finale or season eight in general? Just, just Either or, but like you could just do the finale or you could talk about season eight in general. Since really it was like an eight hour finale. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, I have not read any of the books like Rocky has, so she's definitely going to go more in depth. But um, for me, I binge watched like seasons one through seven outside of the Internet. So I wasn't really involved in all that. But watching season eight live was an experience. and in general, it was just kind of underwhelming and disappointing considering all the stuff that they built built up to and how they just rushed through all of the storylines to get to the point. Like I think in this season specifically, it really felt like they had to hit certain points. Like they knew where they wanted to go and they let the plot drive the story rather than the characters, which is a major problem because it really showed. And then, talking about the season eight finale it was just <laughs> at that point, I really just didn't care. Uh, appointing brand King was a huge mistake, big misstep. And it just felt like the investment that I, you know, we all had in it was pointless because it just made everything seem like there was no point to it. It was just felt useless. You know, you're just watching, you're like, I can't believe I put so much time in this. Um, And it was just, yeah, it was just really bad. It was very, very underwhelming. And I wish that they had done it differently in many ways, especially with um, Danny's story. I know that her story did contain a lot of like white savior stuff in previous seasons. And that's always the kind of person she's been. But at the same time, when they had her massacre King's Landing, a bunch of like innocent people after the bells had been rung and surrender had been called, just felt like 
it took a turn because it just needed her to become the mad queen and it didn't fit what her previous, like the buildup wasn't there for her. It was just like foreshadowing is not storytelling. And they really missed the mark on that. So Rocky. Yes. I want to hear the venom. Uh, Oh God. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I mean, so much of what I think overlaps with what May said. Um, and for me, I mean, I got into Game of Thrones late in terms of I think I didn't watch the first three seasons while they were airing because, like, I didn't have HBO and, like, I had no means to watch it. Um, and then in graduate school, so, like... In your second year of graduate school, I did a literature program. In your second year of graduate school, you get a list of these 10 books that the professors don't teach, but it's like a curated reading list. And like our massive six hour exam could be about any of those 10 books. So you're supposed to like read them all on your own time. And you're supposed to read them in that summer between the first year of graduate school and the second year of graduate school. And instead I read all the Game of Thrones books (laughs) 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 during that summer. (laughs) And like I passed, I have my graduate degree. But like once I started reading the first book, I was like, I have to finish these all. So then after I had read them all is when I caught up with the show and then started watching season to season. And I feel like doing it that way ultimately is what made this last season so disappointing to me because I feel like this show, when it began and it had the books as a guide, you have so much more detailed character-driven storytelling. And I feel like that is where you got the beginning of anyone can die. Ned dies, Joffrey dies, Rob dies. And you get all of that like subversive fantasy storytelling where like the hero isn't always the hero. So I feel like you had the beginnings of that in this show. And then like, as soon as things kind of go off book, like as far back as season five is when I think it becomes a lot more uneven and it becomes more uneven and unfulfilling than it stays fulfilling. Because I think like this season eight and how disappointing it is, I feel like you can trace back as far as season five and like missteps that were made in adapting the source material. Like season eight to me distilled that I don't think Benioff and Weiss had a clear understanding of all of the characters and all of the motivations. And I think that they were doing some retcon work to like make certain narratives stick. Like Danny's point about Daenerys and like her white savior complex in the books. That's a complicated thing for Daenerys. She herself thinks about like, who am I to these people? Why am I still in Slaver's Bay? What do I want? There's a lot of inward self-reflection in these books that you don't get in the show. So Danny in that split second on top of Drogon deciding that she wants to burn King's Landing, the only context for that in the show is like John rejecting her 15 minutes ago and her deciding that like it's going to be fear instead of love. It felt like this whole season ignored so much stuff that they had done for these characters before. Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister is like a book reader fan favorite. To have him abandon Cersei finally 
in the end of season seven, which is something that happens in the books in like the second or third book is something that like we're all waiting for. It was like, cool. He's going to kill Cersei. Great. That doesn't happen. He just like embraces her and like tells her that he loves her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there was so much stuff about there was so much stuff about the season that felt actively like these characters had made really important progressive steps and like May said the show needed to get to point Z so they skipped X and Y to get there. And I don't doubt that necessarily that some of these things obviously some of these things are from George R. R. Martin. Like I I do think actually that Bran is gonna be king, but I don't know if it is in this like benevolent way that the show wants us to believe. And to May's point of like, it feels like everything doesn't matter. I would elaborate on that. Like it feels like everything doesn't matter because they spent so many seasons using these two iconic lines to shape the narrative. There was little fingers, chaos is a ladder and there is Daenerys's. I'm going to break the wheel. And I felt like, they built the storylines around those two ideas. Like chaos is a ladder is what they used to justify spending so much time with Ramsey Bolton. Like Ramsey Bolton is on this show, I think for like six seasons. He's not in the books for that long. Is the showrunners just like, love like three. <clears throat> no, I think he like is on either five or six seasons because I think he gets introduced in season two. And if I remember correctly, he, he survives six. through, is it six or seven? He dies in season six. Okay. Regardless, yeah. that's five seasons. Yeah, he's a game Two, three, season. four, five, and six. Yeah. So like he, they use him as this character, right? To talk about how like the North is falling apart. People like Ramsey benefit. So like there was that whole chaos is a ladder storyline that they like, really put a lot of time into and then like Daenerys breaking the wheel like that's the majority of what we understand from Daenerys like the show is painting her as a hero for the majority of the time and then to like backtrack on that like I think they thought that continued that subversive fantasy everybody can die ideology but then it wasn't really a shock they like didn't pull it off in the exact right way so for me it's like it's very anticlimactic but i feel like i kind of made my peace with how anticlimactic it was going to be when they fucked over dorn and that was like four years ago so like (laughs) i've kind of expected in a lot of ways that it's not going to be what i want because i don't think that the way they've adapted it for years now would ever be anything i wanted so it's just frustrating and to be fair like it is kind of amazing that a fantasy show united us in this way at all. Like, I do think that that part of it is really impressive. And like, I've watched parts of the behind the scenes documentary that HBO aired and the amount of work that went into like certain parts of it is insane. The cast I think was really good despite like a lot of really poor writing toward the end. Like there's a lot of this show that I can like love and respect. I just feel like, fundamentally like the characters that Benioff and Weiss loved like Tyrion and Jon Snow and Ramsey Bolton are not characters that in the end I cared about. So it was frustrating to see like the wheel didn't get broken. You still got a milk King. Tyrion somehow is still hand <laughs> like so many things that felt like there was no forward momentum. So yeah, just frustrating and disappointing in the last season. And and I feel like it's unfortunate because it's probably going to make us look back on all of it and think like, 
all of this was bad. And I don't think all of this was bad. I just think the most recent years of it were not enjoyable. I guess I feel like I wasted like mad years. I think I mean, because what was the outcome that you wanted? Okay. Because to me, it's like, you know, I didn't read the books, but between all the people I know who read the book. So, you know, I'm doing these nice conversations with people like you, Rocky, other people. Mm-hmm. I'm finding all the intricacies and like how it's written and all this type of stuff. And I'm using my own logic, my own knowledge of a fantasy, deconstructing fantasy, thousands and thousands of pages of comic books, thousands and thousands of hours of playing like fantasy games, knowing how Dungeons and Dragons work, even though I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. So it's like, for me, like I know fantasy. So even if Grimm is trying to, uh, George R. R. Martin is is really trying to like, you know, change how fantasy is done, or basically I hear him say like he cares about the stuff Lord of the Rings doesn't talk about, like policy and keeping the people happy. This that and the mm-hmm. third. When I first saw this show, I saw crazy ass zombies. Right. <laughs> right. My man runs back. He tells the people like, yo, there's wild stuff out there. Ned Stark is like, I ain't trying to hear none of that shit. You took an oath. Your ass ran away. I got to cut your head off. Tells the kids like, yo, if you're going to give the the, uh, the sentence, you got you to gotta do the judgment. You got to do the whole thing. Cut homeboy head off. They find some wolves and shit. I'm all getting into this. I get to I get to the end of season one. There's an arm of these bamas walking. I'm like, oh, oh, now you got me interested. Because there's a certain point where when I first saw this show, when I first even heard about this show, I was like, oh, that joint going to be whack. I watched Rome. And y'all ain't tricking me again, HBO, with all these armors and walking around and British people and shit. Like, nah, like I ain't, I ain't for that no more. Like... I watched that joint, like kind of like you, Rocky. I I caught on HBO Zone. I caught like a little a marathon. I was like, oh, but again, I got to the snow zombies and I was like, oh, this is different. This is like, oh, now we pulling in the real fantasy shit. Fast forward. Night King looking like a G. I'm still kind of tight. They call him the Night King instead of the Night King because the Night King is a harder name. Oh my God. The night King is, it's literally, it's one of those extremely, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was no, just gonna say, it's one of those, it's one of those extremely stupid changes that like, I don't understand in the same way that we've been having these discussions about like Aladdin and what they decided to change versus what they decided to keep. I don't know what was difficult about saying the Knights King. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't it's, it's so hard. It's so, it's such a harder title, but I lived with it. Right. You know, I changed my Twitter name i had an icon you know what i'm saying my avatar like that's my guy people are like why do you like the bad guy why do you like the bad guy what is this i'm like why is he a bad guy there's nothing in this show that shows me he's the bad guy i see knights pushing children out of windows i see uh brothers and sisters having incestuous kids and and getting they getting their king husband killed i see ramsey Bowen cutting people's penises off I see Sansa getting raped. I see freaking Caitlyn Stark and her whole and her her son and his wife all get stabbed. Like I'm like, 
There's nothing to tell me that the Night King is the bad guy. I'm seeing the children of the forest turn this dude into that dude. He was held against his will. And they gave me this whole story. <clears throat> Do pictures and Blu-ray uh, extra features. That that's the only way you get to understand this story if you watch extra features. That this 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 guy like I'm like nah man he gotta have a reason like he out there doing the coldest stuff on the show he killing dragons bringing them back to life he busts down the wall he looks so hard pause he's so dope fall off a dragon Danny ride your cars he look at her like you ain't shit bro you get the fuck out of my face hold that lens walk in. Jon Snow's like, all right, I'm ready, I'm ready. He's like, you ain't ready for this. Thriller night all over again. Like, God damn, I'm going to keep on walking. All that. He gets to the joint. Theon gets his dope-ass ending. Probably the only successful character arc they got in the whole series. Mm-hmm. Then, and this is nothing against Arya. I literally have no problem with her doing this. She does her freaking ninjutsu, kills him, and that's in episode three. You told me this is the big bad. You, you've literally plied this out from somebody else's work. That's literally, if at Endgame, if when you watch Endgame and they would have like defeated, really defeated Thanos, like because they kind of do defeat Thanos early in. They really defeated mm-hmm. Thanos at like the hour and 45 mark. And then all of a sudden, Scarlet Witch becomes a bad guy and like rewrites reality or some shit. I'm like, you ain't earned none of that bullshit. I know the whole story. You ain't earned none of that. What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. What are you? What, no. Like- I don't care. What about the Iron Throne? Oh my God, I don't care no more. Like, I don't care. It's like, that's the thing. You build up all these fucking themes. And I heard they made a dumb quote where like themes and stuff are like, middle school book reports like no it's not you dumbass that's all of cinema is just all themes that's why it works and you have a freaking monologue in the show where it's talking about freaking story is what matters like what the, you put that in the story you think that made us happy bro i want to smack the shit out you like that it made oh like why like this is whack that's not good storytelling i've wasted dumb hours dumb hours so many hours so many hours so many hours it has to be so 80 and people get mad about Sopranos. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's actually a good ending because guess what? We never saw Tony get born. We never saw him and Camilla get married. We never seen them have the kids. Guess what? We came into his life and we left his fucking life. It's over. That's how life is sometimes. That actually makes sense. The fuck I just watched over like 70, 80 goddamn hours. <laughs> oh my God. And they would act like, and people, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yo, like I'm never watching a fantasy show again. Lord of the Rings, not watching that shit. Any other random ass Harry Potter show come out, I ain't watching and, that shit. And to your point, and to your point about how it ended so early, because even if you know D and D were invested in the political stuff, which they obviously were, they didn't do anything with it. Like they had Cersei standing around the entire season, standing at a window, holding her wine, and not making moves. You know what I mean? She so got paid felt- to drink. A million dollars. Yeah, basically. Like a million a, an episode, right? All this. I mean, she was supposed to be her. so smart, right? She was good out here. Her. She blew people up. She was she was gangster with it. She was like, yo, I'm the real Taiwan kid right here. I'm a beast. And at the end, she's going to cry like, I don't want to die. Fuck out of here. But see, 
But see, that to me, that exactly to me is the fact that they couldn't figure out, like, I'm very, I'm actually like super curious and going back and like doing an analysis of this. I think that the character development for every character on the show ended where the character development ends in the books. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that the show progresses anyone really past where they were in the books because like, what did Cersei do after like Cersei, after she blows up the sept, like nothing seems to happen after that at all. Right. I mean, like she rejects the idea of helping the North in season seven. And then she just like hangs out in season eight, waiting for Danny to come to King's Landing. Yeah. She right. Smashes like Jon Snow, like Jon Snow dies and then basically just like is an idiot in love with Daenerys. Like, I feel like there have been like two or three seasons where it felt like there wasn't any meaningful character development for anyone. So a lot of these things that happen, like don't mean anything. Like they don't have the same impact as they had before. And fundamentally, like we go back to this all the time, but like game of Thrones started out as a story where like people are talking in rooms, like so much of it is dialogue driven. Like so much of it is like Tywin and Arya in Hall, It's Caitlin and Rob planning the war, right? It's like Tyrion and Varys and Littlefinger trying to figure out how to run the city. Like so much of it is just these conversations and what does that say about King's Landing? And then I feel like toward the end, it just became the spectacle stuff. It just became like the dragons and all the crap with Euron Greyjoy. Yeah. Like, it shifted so much from talking about like these people and what did their actions mean for King's Landing to just being these people like normal people by like season six, season seven, season eight, like don't matter anymore, which is why also the end of the show felt super fake to me. Like you're telling me that Daenerys destroyed King's Landing. I would say Tyrion has been captured for what, like a month like they let him out and like everything is clean and everything is fine. And then I would say what another couple weeks later, Jon Snow is being sent to the wall, which the wall doesn't need to exist anymore, but whatever. And magically like all of the King's Landing ports are like rebuilt and everybody's back in King's Landing. Like there's a lot of those kind of details that the show toward the end, like clearly just didn't care about anymore. Whereas this show started out fixated on those details I, I still think so, it's because they, they they were following the they were following the path right it's the it's the thing yeah. where to go for right now this month of like spectacle super franchises it's the thing that even though like I'm, i don't i don't rock with with the with the box logo with marvel these two things are, are basically following stuff laid down by by storytellers and there's not a lot of work to do. It's literally yeah. like, how do we, it's like puffy. Like how do we remix this old song into a new song? And the problem of it is, is that they ran out of songs and yeah. they didn't know, like they have like an idea. It, it's like when you, when you listen to like uh, Michael Jackson's like last album where like they kind of had to figure out what he wanted them, the song, the songs to sound like. Right. It's like mm-hmm. a couple of them joints is, is fantastic, but because it was mostly done, 
But the rest is like, uh, this right. is, uh, I don't know what you do. Like, my thing is that the show, and this is, and maybe I think people shouldn't, because people on Twitter, or, you know, the, the conversation is, the idea is that one of the things of the show is that it could be about climate change was so interesting yeah. be, is because the North, the, the, the White Walkers does kind of seem like that, like this existential environmental threat that you can't reason mm-hmm. with, you can't talk about, you really can't even outmaneuver. Like, mm-hmm. they don't care about your throne. They don't care about all these little things you're moving around. You're going to feel this, like you're going to lose. And I almost think that it would have worked better. And you know what? It might end up being better. Is that this is a is a uh and only a Westerosi threat, right? Because it was mm-hmm. to a point where it was like people were like, Where are the red women at? Red women was like, Well, yo, they in Essos. Like, that's this ain't they really concerned, like they know it's bad. They doing you a solid. But yeah. it's like Yo, that's the that's the land of the Lord of Light and Fire and stuff. Like, they don't want that smoke. This is a problem of, at Westeros. Like, y'all made this, and it seems like, like they just didn't care about that. And it's just like, but nah, like I don't really care if she goes crazy. That's the thing. She could have still went crazy and killed a bunch of people, and then I still think that the White Walker should have came through and be like, also oh, now you're gonna go around the world, huh? You're gonna go break the wheel everywhere, huh? Like, well. Hold these ice javelins. Watch as we kill all your yeah. people. Because we don't like, care. It definitely, it definitely felt very much. And like the books are so, like you said, like your understanding of the books is like very consumed by the politics. And that speaks to May's point as well. Like the books are very interested in the politics of this world, but they are also very interested in the religions of this world. And so there is all that talk in the beginning seasons about like the old gods versus the southern the southern gods, like the seven gods. And then there is, like you said, Rahalor, like the Lord of Light. Like there's so many of those motivations in the books and the mythology of the books is so interesting. And then yeah, like once we got to like season seven and eight, like none of that mattered anymore. And I think May said I think you both said this, like if you have to watch, if you have to watch the after episode for Benioff and wife to reveal like important things about the show, then they're doing the show wrong because like you explaining your show should not be part of watching the show. Like your show should be your show. And yet there were so many things that like you would watch and they'd be like, Oh, well actually like, I remember this one where they were like, actually Danny kind of forgot about like, the Iron Fleet, and that's why she wasn't expecting them to murder Rhaegal, and it's like, that's literally the stupidest explanation I've ever heard. Like, your character forgetting something is you forgetting something. That's not Mm -hmm. good writing. So there's like that sort of stuff all over the final two seasons where it just felt like super rushed, and like they were trying to change our perception of these characters that we've watched for nearly a decade. So like, John coming back why did John coming back from the dead matter if he wasn't going to be kink? Right. Or like, and why, why was it why matter a Targaryen? Half a Targaryen matter? Yeah. Like none of it matters. I mean, yes, you can very well make the argument. Like it matters because it drove Danny crazy, but that's not what drove Danny crazy 
it's not clear what drove Danny crazy. So like all of that sort of stuff. Yes. All of that stuff where it's like, it just doesn't really fit together. I read this really good LA review of books piece about how like actually Danny going quote unquote crazy and burning down King's landing is like the only logical thing that happens in the entire season. (laughs) Well, it it, it actually is because she doesn't go crazy to me. Like she's only considered the mad queen because they keep saying, She's going mad. In the end, it just yeah. took, like she was just like, nah, fuck these people. Like, yeah. they killed all In my the friends. End, she was a conqueror. Yeah, she yeah. killed all my friends, mm-hmm. and nobody liked me up here. You only like my uh the guy I love that's kind of also my nephew. And actually, he ain't fuck with me because he can't get over that shit. And so, right. yo, fuck Westeros. Like, it's not yeah. even she's crazy. She's just like, yeah, nah, like, I got the dragon. She go over it. <laughs> I got yeah. the gun. Deal well, with it. And that's why Tyrion, like Tyrion's terrible conversation with Jon Snow about like, oh, we cheered when like she burned the flavors and stuff like that very much felt to me like Benioff and Weiss being like, so remember all that stuff that like we presented to you like they were heroic victories. Now we want you to think they were bad. So it's like, I almost felt like, did you guys not know that Danny was supposed to be bad? Because there was never, like, the show never presented it like she wasn't a hero until the very end. You know, like, because if Danny wasn't a hero, then, like, she wouldn't have gone past the wall to, like, save Jon Snow and his band of idiots from the Night King. You know, like, all that yeah. stuff, like, heroes wouldn't do that. So the fact that it's presented without any kind of doubt until the very end, again, to May's point, foreshadowing is not development or storytelling. Like those things are separate and they did so much of the former instead of the latter. And then there were things to me that almost felt like deliberate things to like piss off the audience. Why did Jamie and Brienne sleep sleep together? Why did that happen? That was unnecessary. There was no... It was completely unnecessary. Aside from the fact that there's like a significant amount of people who shipped that relationship, like in the internet, Twitter sphere, Game of Thrones fan base. Like there was absolutely no reason for you to end Brienne's storyline with her being with Jamie again, unless in the books, Jamie has left Cersei like three books ago. So unless this is something that happens like in the next two books, and they were just like, oh, like, well, we'll just add it in. So, like, there's that sort of stuff, too, where it's like, I don't understand what the motivation for this was. And it just kind of felt like you rushed through this. Like, maybe it would have been better if you just skipped it. That would have been fine. It's almost like their consummation should have been them fighting together. That's it. Like, they have yeah, her, like, standing it. there crying in a nightgown. Like, yo, yeah. nah, you just had her be a beast. Like, yeah. you, you, you dis, like, it's not like Arya who, like, Yo, I'm gonna have sex. Yo, give me that dick. Like, literally, like, yeah. get your ass down. Yeah. I'm gonna take it. And, like, yeah, I'm, yeah, all right, I'm not a virgin no more. Now I'm gonna go kill, like, mad dead people. Like, nah, like, right. like, nah, that's like, that's dope. Like, but I guess another thing that I, that it hit me is like, yo, John has zero agency in this entire season. He makes no decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. All yeah. he does is, like, does what he's told by other people. And like I know people right. like had this whole thing like, oh, John is stupid. Like, no, John is good. And if he does something stupid to you, it's because the plot 
says he has to do X, Y, and Z because he never actually makes yeah. real decisions. He only does what the yeah. plot needs him to do, which is either almost yeah. drown in a bunch of people and get saved by the veil. Like, there's a bunch of times in the early part of the season where he's making dope strategic like commands like, yo, we're going to do this. We're going to knock all the people, all the all the wildlings off the wall. We're going to do all these things. He was badass. Then mm-hmm. you get to uh, the Battle of the Bastards and he's just like Leroy Jenkins. He's just running out like, ah! And then like he doesn't, right? he doesn't like, wait, wait, like, and then the last season is bad because to me, again, like some people, I guess, right are like, oh, it's just bad. My thing was like, oh, you mean Bran was the bad guy the whole time? And then he, he talk, was. and then he talked to Tyrion, and he put Tyrion in on the plan, and Tyrion was like, "Oh, okay. All I want to do is the hand anyway." So all they did was finesse everybody and use everybody. So it's like, oh, this went to like a really cool, like fantasy epic where like changes things. Like, oh, it's like the first one is like the the. Uh, the big sleep or something, but with people in nice and armor. And then you get to like this really cool battle. I mean, the um, battle of Blackwater or whatever, and you know, political drama. And then third, you get my man puss in boots. Uh, um, See, and, and what's interesting about, I'm sorry to interrupt, no, 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 but and okay. talking about the, and talking about brand in general, I think basing, making him King on that. He had the best story is it just brings yeah it just brings really hollow right so if and, and they had set it up they mentioned this multiple times that bran as the three-eyed raven now doesn't want anything he is no longer human he doesn't need he doesn't want he doesn't have ambitions then to have Tyrion make his whole speech and bran's like well what do you think i you know came all the way uh, all the way for you know so essentially it's kind of setting it up that he did want all these things but i think um in terms of if we think about the white walkers being like climate change that the three-eyed raven was being protected by the children of the forest kind of like mother nature reclaiming its way in a different sense that could have been built up better because we don't really know what the three eyed raven want ever needed or wanted or why it even wanted brand to go back to begin with like it just well, made and no sense. like <laughs> the thing that is exhausting to me like to expand on your point of to, to expand on two of your points one that like brand doesn't want anything or anything that's why you'll be a terrible king like it, exactly <laughs> Oh, wait, sorry. I just realized that Lil Nas X is performing Old Town Road at the Stanley Cup final, so I need to turn the volume up. Um, so, like, it's amazing to me that, like, that was supposed to be a good thing. Like, the entire point of being a king or a queen or a monarch or whatever is allegedly that you are supposed to have, like, people's best interests at heart. So the fact that he has no interest does not actually make him a good king. Like, that's one of the things that made zero narrative sense to me and when Tyrion says like Bran has the best story Bran as an individual does not have the best story he's being possessed by like a tree god who knows all of the history of the world <laughs> like, those are very separate things so again it's like this sense of like bad writing like first of all that we're supposed to accept in this scene that like these eight rulers or whatever three or four of them who were never identified because the show can't be bothered to tell us who those people are would be listening to Tyrion in chains. 
And then to your point, like brands, like, oh, I came all this way. So if brand can see the future and he knew that he was going to be king, he just, what, told John who he was on purpose to turn Danny yep. crazy so that she could burn King's Landing and kill hundreds of thousands of people so that Bran could be king. Yep. Like, that's the kind of shit that I feel like they write these scripts for, like, these one lines that they think, like, sound really cool. <laughs> like, there's no consideration of, like, people are going to analyze this and think about the fact that, like, this storytelling doesn't add up. So that's just, it's exhausting to me that, like, they then make Bran, I don't know, know the future or see the future or imagine the future or something. So if you really think about it, like, yeah, Bran is a villain. Bran is a really bad dude. And it's just funny to me that we're supposed to be like totally okay with him being king. And that's why I'm very curious, like in the books, how does Bran become king? Is it actually like a good thing or does it have like an element of danger that maybe the show didn't want to adapt? I don't know. Man, yeah, I don't, I don't know even if the end if they were actually even talking to, to George or Martin anymore. Like I have a, at a point where like I have my own theories about him. Like, hey, he got these joints written and he's just not putting them out yet. And he probably stopped talking to them because they was going their own way. Uh, yeah, it just like to me the ending makes Brand a bad guy, and that like, he manipulated a whole bunch of people to get to this end and I'm like it, 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 it's, it, it seems like I know there's some things where it's like you know part of you know there's a lot of these things is based off the Water of Roses and like there's things with like with the Tudors or whatever so at the end the Starks are like the Tudors and you was into all this but right. then you, you give John you give Jon Snow basically King Arthur's whole arc mm-hmm. and then at the end you, you make him Frodo <laughs> like for like like nah man like he to me is like he's supposed to die like he's once a future so he dies he goes away like I don't even like it don't even it don't even make sense like so in the end you just want to be on some some Henry the Eighth shit like and I'm supposed to even believe the stocks are going to be good because they kind of like overtook everything their cousins yeah. and uncles also run parts of the of the of the kingdom in the north like. Is really right. is is Bran's uncle really gonna be that gonna really buck up to him? And Big Sis got her own kingdom, and Arya out here colonizing the East or whatever. And mm-hmm. oh, y'all ain't gonna buck up because Arya already said like, "Yo, sit your ass down before I make change." And felt horrible. John Aaron, that. he's sitting there. He ain't never gonna say nothing because he looks up the friggin' Sansa like, 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 like they run everything like. Y'all went from yeah, I mean, to this, like, for real? But yes, because because Bran is going to rule the Six Kingdoms. Sansa has the North. Robert Aaron has the Vale. And, um, yeah, and their uncle has River Run. So, like, it's very much now, like, a network of Starks and Stark affiliates. And what I think is really interesting is, like, if you wanted to look at it cynically and i don't think the show actually does this i just think it's something that you could like talk about i feel like the starks basically end up at the end of this war where 
the Lannisters were at the end of the last war. The, right? Yeah, the, the, because, the, like, um, the Robber's Rebellion, right? Like, it's, they, they're going to be yeah, the bad guys. Yeah, because, like, the Lannisters end up benefiting. Like, Cersei marries the king. Casterly Rock is rich as fuck. Like, Casterly Rock ends up being so rich also because, like, King's Landing and other places have, like, sieges against them and people starve and die and Casterly Rock, like, is fine. So there's also that sort of stuff where it's, like, the North, fine. The North is going to be fine. Like, everywhere else that the Starks are affiliated are going to be fine. So I feel like if the show was interested in that sort of storytelling and talk about, like, the fact that power is a corruptive force, like, you can't necessarily assume that the Starks are going to be good. Like, they very well could become as evil as the Lannisters were when they ended up ruling so much of the Seven Kingdoms. But, like, the show isn't interested in that story. Like, it's not interested in thinking about, like, huh, maybe the Starks could also be bad. But in the same way, the show isn't interested in remembering that the Starks had a mom. Like, these last few seasons, they talk about Ned Stark all the time. They never talk about Catelyn. They don't talk about Rickon. So that's also the kind of storytelling to me, like, we haven't talked about this yet, but I just feel like that's the kind of storytelling that makes the show in and of itself sexist, even though you have, like, Sansa being a queen and Arya, like, traveling outward to the east or whatever. Like, there's so many female characters that this show just completely forgot about toward the end. Yeah. And, and in terms of, that's a great point about the Starks. And also in terms of even Sansa saying, you know, she wants the North to be independent. And like, I understood that while I was watching, but then I was sitting there watching like the Prince of Dorne who didn't even say a word the entire time. And I'm thinking, wouldn't Dorne want to suddenly realize that they don't want to be part of the other, you know, the other kingdoms as well and want to be free. So it's just like they left the politics a lot of the politics hanging and it's really frustrating. And y'all had a deal. No one's honoring I, her I deal. Think that's, well, I think what's really interesting. Yes. Yara, like to go back to that point, like I do think fundamentally, and again, like this is ignoring the seasons that came before. It is insane to me that Yara would a accept this and b that she would accept aria still 18 but still a child stepping to her in that way like we had presented yara as like one of the biggest badasses like ever and she's gonna accept this child like telling her that she's gonna slit her throat like that is insane dorn accepting this is insane so there are all these things that again just like you wanted a really tidy conclusion and you ignored years of story development to get there like i'm sorry i'm just tired yeah, like, yeah. i also thought that like talking about thing, it talking about it just makes me tired sometimes to me it was just like and i was telling to my friends who i was watching it with you know who happened to be women and i was like I was like, this show is is out here really spreading the message that women are too emotional to be leaders. Mm-hmm. Between Cersei and Danny, they're really up here saying, like, yo, you know, when something happens to their friends or their children, you really can't count on women to make logical decisions. Because we know what Danny should have done. She should have starved the people. And she was still one right. because that's that's actual tactical strategic 
a way of fighting a war like this to, to not because you won't gain the people's trust to kill like I was just really sitting there I was like you really out here saying women can't be leaders that that's to me I think in the end of season 8 that's what season 8 is saying it's my same issue it's mm-hmm. not the same issue but it's also I think there was a thing with like Captain Marvel it was just like all about Hillary Clinton but that's a that's a whole different theory but in the end I do think it's saying something demeaning toward y'all like I'm like whoa 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 it's 2019 this is this is what we this is what we putting out here like that women and can't the be flip leaders of that, right and the flip of that too is like somebody could say like okay well like Santa ends up being queen and Arya ends up being an explorer like Arya for the past two seasons the only way they've known to write her is either like asexual or masculine like the only the only moment that she reads as feminine is like her thirst for Gendry and like their sexual moment otherwise they don't write Arya in a way that like respects her being a young woman like there's nothing else about her character arc that speaks to that and like with Sansa they give her that line where she's like oh well like everything that happened to me led me to this place so basically they're making it seem like her being raped and tortured and abused is the only thing that would make her strong enough to be a leader because again like what does Sansa project in terms of like femininity nothing she talks about Ned Stark she talks about her father they don't talk about like their mother and the example that was set by their mother so to your point as well it's like Cersei and Danny just straight out like both go crazy and then the other female characters that are left they don't write necessarily in ways that honor their femininity they write in ways where they just try to be more like men yeah or even to me with Sansa there's a point in which they basically say Caitlyn Stark isn't her main feminine influence all her motherly it's Cersei all her motherly inspiration is Cersei Lannister so again if I'm getting yeah. to the end and she's dressing like Cersei she's just gonna be Cersei without yeah. like sleeping with her brothers like I'm right. well, I'm like, well, like this like like this is like for real. I was saying it was like y'all get all the way to the point to just to make everything like season two. Like yeah. I'm Yeah, like, and I think it's always No, go ahead, man. It's def- it's definitely ridiculous because they set up Daenerys is going mad, right? Supposedly. But then it's like everyone's questioning how conquering she is when Every other person in this entire region is just almost just as bad as she is. Like no leader that they've come across has been that great. So to to like to your point, saying that she is the she can't lead because she's like this, and she also happens to be a woman. It just like thinking about it right now is just making me really angry. It, may, it should make you because the thing of it is, even if you go by like, oh, it's really not her. Then Bran doesn't have the best story. Like Jon Snow died and came back. He's Snow Jesus. Not right. only like he is the king beyond the wall, the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, the King of the North. He rode a dragon. He faced the Night King. His little sister defeated the Night King. And everyone literally loves him. Like 
Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, and he's the actual uh heir to Rhaegar Targaryen, the actual true king. And then the whole thing with the regicide, I'm like, hold up. But y'all killed y'all y'all killed the last Targaryen king. That's how right. Robert Baratheon became king. Right. And, yeah. what, like, and it's it's also saying like John John riding north is basically him, the man gets to be free while like everyone else is kind of in continues to be in this political play while he gets he gets out of that. Right. So and in that life. way I do think Yeah, and so like in that way I think the only way that we can really talk about like I think the only way that the show continues to subvert those expectations is in John not being the hero, but at the same time he is the hero because he killed Danny. So there's this part of me that like thinks him turning his back on everything, like you said, isn't necessarily a punishment. It is the character finally being able to do what he wants. So they do present it in this way as like John got what he wanted. He gets to go be because I think he's I think he's leaving the wall. Like I've read some thoughts that people think that he's just like leading the wildlings to a new home. Like I think that he's leaving and he's not coming back. Yeah, and he's yeah, I agree with that. King of the free folk. Yeah, that's like the yeah, assumption who's, that who's I got. Turn him in. Right. He's still technically Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Right. Well, actually, and that's the thing that I I wonder. I don't think, again, this, well, because, again, the show doesn't make this clear and the show doesn't do a good job with any of this. But, yeah, who is he? Because, like, when he dies and comes back, he's no longer Lord Commander. He leaves to go to Winterfell to, like, help fight the undead. So... Dolores Ed becomes Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, and Dolores Ed dies defending Sam, yep. the character that I might hate most. So it is not clear to me who leads the Night's Watch, or what the purpose of the Night's Watch is, or who is rebuilding the wall. So again, like all of those details that I feel like you could make very clear with just a few lines of dialogue that the show wasn't interested in clarifying. Yeah, yeah. It to me, I didn't even when it, he went up north, and I saw a tournament. I was like, "Oh, there ain't nobody up here but the wildlings." Right, but so, then, um, because there were men in black that, right? Because there were like Knights King men that escort, that escorts him back to the wall. Because when he's like walking in the streets of King's Landing at the like super busy port that I mentioned, like there are men in black. Like yeah, I saw, I saw that. So but again, it's like, well, again, like who survived? Even right. to me, it, even that whole scene was just like, yeah, he said he's leaving the wall, and he's he didn't. To me, I was like, my watch is ended. It was just like, and he, here's the way I said, he don't make anything clear. I take it like this, like, oh, Dolores, Ed, you're in charge, but mm-hmm. it's to the point where it's just like, if he comes back, he's just gonna be in charge again. He's the one everyone. He's the elected leader, like. Which also makes the whole thing right. with them laughing about democracy stupid. It's like for Sam should have fought that. It's like, yeah, that's how we do things at the wall. And yeah. like that's how we do things up there. Like, that's how the wildlings do yeah. things. And like, if you don't want any problems, maybe you should to work this out. But hey, like Sam ain't saying they ain't no goddamn backbone. He's the head of a house. Mm-hmm. Brienne, I guess, is mm-hmm. the king's head of the King's Guard and also like head of a house so she's on a small council all that shit makes no damn yeah. sense at least no, I was happy I was like oh my not. man Pod is a knight that's like the only thing that made me smile yeah. at the end I was like 
Good for my man. Thank Pod. God. He out here. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. it. Like, Todd is the only person who I care about. Whereas, like, at this point, like, I feel like they overestimated how much of a fan favorite Braun is because everything about Braun was just stupid and made no sense by the end. It didn't make sense, but and, I was like, of course he's going to hang out with Tyrion and run shit. Like, I handled the food. Look, speaking of Tyrion, Tyrion has become, he became like one of the most frustrating characters over like the last couple of seasons because, yes, because I they feel don't like know his, how to his adapt entire the storyline from the books. Exactly. And, and yeah. he just kind of felt aimless ever since, yes, I think ever since he killed his father, yep. probably. He's just kind of gone He's down. stupid ever there. since then. So to have him be the hand of the queen now or the king is just, (laughs) I don't even know what to say about that, but it's just like very, very frustrating considering like all that he's been making shitty decisions the entire time. And that is his punishment. This is kind of like what he wanted. How do you trust someone who made bad decisions before to make good decisions now all of a sudden, you know? Well, and I think that he had purpose when he was Daenerys's hand, uh, before, like up until Daenerys got with Jon Snow. And I think it's because yeah. the show couldn't decide whether Tyrion was supposed to be in love with Danny, like romantically, or if he was just supposed to be in love with being in power again. And that's another one of those things that I don't think the show makes clear. Because, like, they have him creeping like in the ship and like realizing that John and Daenerys are hooking up and like, there's that whole thing. And then at the end he tells John, like, I loved her also. And it's like, again, if we wanted to look at this cynically, of course, Tyrion never loved her. He just loved the possibility of being close to power, but the show wants Tyrion and Jon Snow to be heroes. So they don't give them that depth, right? It's like not present at all. So, I yeah, guess frustrating. Now, and the only reason, say, sorry, go ahead. No, mm-hmm. I guess for me now, the way I read that scene is like, remember, Bran is the one who chooses to be hand. So if I'm with my, like, if I'm king, and we didn't figure it out, my little our little plot, yeah, I'm gonna make him my hand. We're co-conspirators. Right. Like, at and that point, that's why I was like, Bran's evil. I'm like, Bran is bad. So I'm like, okay, this makes sense because bad Bran is bad. You know, and if you wanted to look at it again, there's all this stuff. I'm so much more interested. And isn't this funny? We're so much more interested in the stuff the show does not do. And that's been like a theme all season, right? Because like there was that theory online that the Starks were going to raise, like rise from the crypt and like defend mm-hmm. Winterfell so and fire. kill the zombies. That would have been fire. And of course that didn't happen. There's been the long running theory for years that Jamie would kill Cersei. That didn't happen. So there are like all these theories that didn't come to pass, whatever. That's fine in that it's disappointing and like we have to deal with it. But to your point about Bran being a bad guy, like, do you remember when Tyrion is like asking Bran, he's just randomly like, Oh, I guess you're not Bran Stark anymore. And Bran's like, Oh no, I'm not Bran Stark. And Tyrion's like, Oh, tell me what happened to you. And then they cut away and we never see that scene. Although they ostensibly have like a long meeting. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly what we were talking about. It's like something happened in that scene that we are not discussing or acknowledging. And like, if this was a more interesting show, it totally could be what you're saying where Bran's like, 
by the way, I'm totally going to be king because I know what's going to happen. And Tyrion's going to be like, dope. I want to rule. I don't care. Like, yeah, like, like, go work everywhere. Let me, let me deal with the minutia. He's like, I got you fam. Right. Like that right. to me was the, right. Once I got to that point, see to me, when, as soon as Bran said, why did you think I came all this way? My yeah. brain is, Oh, backing up in, in episode two of this season, when they had that talk and they was going to sit down and talk in front of the fire because they have all night, Bran told him everything. Yeah. Tyrion was like, oh, really? Because he was like, no one talks to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they worked it all out. So that, at that point, I was like, oh, you played John to do everything you needed him to do. You tell your little story. For some reason, Grey Worm don't just kick you in the back of the head. They just let you talk. And you you win everybody over, and they say okay. And Brandon's like, "That's my hand. He's free now. Guess what? John's doing. Mm-hmm. John's going up to the wall. He's going to rejoin the Night's Watch that doesn't exist, so he can be free. Because I know what my brother wants to do. He don't want to deal with none of y'all no more. And I can say, yeah, Sansa. To me, it's like, oh yeah, like like that's a suck. It's a sucky bad guy. It's a sucky heel turn." Like, yeah, it's two sucky back to back heel turns. The first bad heel turn is Danny looking all pensive and making weird, funny faces and then burning people up. I'm like, well, that's that's poor. I watch enough wrestling to know how this works. And then (laughs) then I get to the brand heel turn like, oh, come on. Y'all guys need to watch more wrestling. Y'all need to know how to do bad bad guy turns like this is (laughs) this is this is poor. But yeah, it's like. The the theories is what got me. The theories is like all oh, the, yeah, a lot of the theories were so much better. Or even the stuff I thicked out because at a certain point, when you get this point in the story, and this is the point why, I, like, I actually apologize to you, Rocky. Was last year mm. I was like, all right, they have X amount of episodes, they have X amount of choices. I'm gonna let them slide on them going with this fast travel shit and all this. Cause to me, I'm like, all right, I play enough games. I know how this works. Sometimes you get to the end of the game, you ain't walking out to every town. You gotta, you know, hit the little fast travel button. But when I got to like after the Night King died, I was like, oh no, nah, they fucked this up. Like, damn, like I should have never defended this shit. Like, this is what. Yeah. Like this is like I like I legitimately tell people to their face now like oh, I never watched Game of Thrones, uh, it's over now. I should start I was like nah, I don't ever watch that shit. It's just bullshit. It's trash. They're like damn, but you were just talking about it like two weeks ago. I know I was wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. Like I should have never got y'all into this shit. I'm so sorry I did that to you. I mean, well, that's, yeah, that's a larger discussion. <laughs> you know how much people I get um, people on the things. That's a responsibility. Well, yeah, and well, I still think I still think it's not like a completely trash, you know, show. It's not like a complete shit show, but like the last season definitely and heavily diminished it uh, as an entire series because the conclusions they came to were just like weird and, and random and, and didn't feel earned. Um, and then thinking back on like Melisandre, who you know, resurrected John for a reason. So it's just like, is the Lord of light was the Lord of light working for the three eyed Raven the whole time. <laughs> is that how so. that played out? Like, I think they don't care yeah, about the I mean, Lord of light. 
Yeah, I just think they don't care about the religious. Again, I don't think that they care about the religious elements, which is why, like, toward the end, none of that gets any, like, actual explanation. And, like, mm-hmm. the stuff, like, you know, like, who Melisandre sees in the flames, who is supposed to be, like, the prince who has promised, like, that's another one of those elements that just doesn't get adapted in the show. And I think there's always been this consideration of, like, did things not get adapted in the show because they didn't matter or just because Benioff and Weiss weren't interested in them? And I think you could say that it's like pretty much a mixed bag because it's very clear that they didn't care about Dorne. And to me, like, I guess my frustration with this, like overall is this idea of like, there's part of me that doesn't necessarily want to say like all storytelling depends only on the final resolution because I think that there's something kind of like not great about that because there's so much stuff that I do think that was really good. And I think like, if you say that, like if you didn't like the wire finale, because you didn't like whatever spoiler alert for the wire, I guess, which ended a bajillion years ago. But if you didn't like that, like McNulty and Lester Freeman end up faking a serial killer, does that mean that like diminishes the entire show? Like, I don't necessarily think so. Like, I don't really want to make that kind of like broad statement about the end of things. I just think we saw a show ultimately in like slow decline. And that's what was, what was interesting to me about all those, like there was that whole like twi- Twitter backlash to people disliking Game of Thrones who were like, people now don't like Game of Thrones. Y'all loved it for years. And there was like that weird defending of a show that makes millions of dollars and has made tons of people rich like it's not like we magically decided it was bad there have been problematic elements for like three or four years now and those things build on each other and that's how you get like a thoroughly disappointing finale yeah it's just i guess for me that is an entirely different conversation the idea of okay people were disappointed they wrote about their disappointment on twitter to then have like not only people on Twitter, but then like people writing entire articles on how like you're not owed anything from a story X, Y, and Z. Right. This, that, and third. I'm like, a, there are people who are actually professional critique people who professionally critique creative creative endeavors. That yes, if I'm going to critique fucking Alfred Hitchcock, I'm damn sure going to critique. A goddamn TV show with fucking dragons and swords and shit on HBO. There, if I can critique Thanos, I could critique this. And you know what? Yeah, everything. I guess for me, it's just like no. There's still elements of storytelling that people could have, and it's not always just like this is what I want. Like no, this is what they said, and then they decided not to do anything with. Like mm-hmm. it's poor. It's not mediocre. It's bad. Like, you wouldn't accept this in anything else. I don't accept it in movies I watch. I don't accept it in other shows. I don't accept it in video games. I don't accept it in comic books. I don't accept it in books. I don't accept it if I'm reading a factual article, how they could just skip parts and not actually connect to, like, their main thesis statement or what they're trying to say. If they leave shit out, I'll be like, how do we get here? Same thing I'm going to do with this. And it was like, okay, it, internet's trash, film Twitter's trash, Twitter itself is trash, <laughs> like everything is trash, the show is trash, all you guys suck. 
and the world is going to yeah, fall apart. Yeah, because I think they're. I think there's definitely like a broader, you know, like there's definitely a broader conversation to be had because we do like among the three of us, we do have these conversations about how like Marvel movies, Star Wars movies and Disney movies feel impervious to criticism at this point. Like it doesn't really matter how things get reviewed for like those huge franchise properties. And I think the question is like, what does it mean when we say like, it doesn't really matter is it because like as critics of something we want to like make something fail like that's never been a motivating factor for anyone i know who is a critic it's not that we're setting up for something to fail it's that if something has millions upon millions upon millions of viewers which game of thrones did and which the marvel movies do like that shapes culture like that shapes business decisions and pop culture decisions and what people talk about and what you discuss and what you see on the screen so it's amazing to me when you get those analyses of like stop making fun of something that people enjoy you're right millions and millions and millions of people enjoy this which is exactly why we should be talking about it that's actually the point so it's amazing to me that we saw all of those like let people enjoy Game of Thrones and you even saw like Kit Harrington and people being like, Don't critique our show <laughs> And it's just like actually critiquing rich people is like the best part of my day. So you know, so it's just like, and, and that's it's interesting really because the entire cast the entire cast was also kind of critiquing the show with their faces when they couldn't talk about what what happened in the finale. So yeah, right. Like you saw Amelia Clark and um, Jacob Anderson and the other like actors and Natalie Emanuel, like you saw them on the red carpet being like, Oh yeah. Our stories end like in a great way. Like you saw the table reads in the documentary, like people, like the fact fact (laughs) that Kit Harrington, the fact that Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark were that surprised, in the script that John killed Danny that again to me like your characters these characters that these actors have been playing for a decade should not be that surprised by how their arcs end like it shouldn't be shocking for them they know those characters like by the back of their hands so it's just interesting I do think it is the end of an era like I don't necessarily think we're going to ever see anything like Game of Thrones again and it's funny because like you know everybody wants that like hbo wanted westworld to be the new game of thrones it never got that level of hype like amazon clearly yeah amazon clearly is hoping that like the lord of the rings show becomes like that you know it's so it's interesting to me like i i don't think there is the potential for something else like this but i don't know i do I don't know. I do. Because do Game of Thrones so? wasn't Game of Thrones at season three. Until the end. It wasn't yeah. it was last it was the last two seasons. It actually it was the death of Oberon Martell where everybody was it was the Red Wedding and the death of Oberon Martell was like, yo, this show is on some next that? Level season shit. four? Seasons three season and four three ending. Season four. And then it gets yeah. you to season five yeah. and then, then there's the whole then of course there's the John coming back to life, like that's the key moments I think where, where Game of Thrones built up such a fan base to tell people like, "Yo, you gotta watch this shit. You gotta watch this shit. This shit is dope." Because again, yeah, season one is the is the. I don't know if you told people to watch Game of Thrones, but they're like, "Yo, season one is hard." It's like I don't know about yeah. this, and I was like, "You gotta get through season one. You get through season one, yeah, you be, you be money." And they be like, "Yeah, yeah." People who are like, "Yeah, you were right. Like it gets better." 
to me with Westworld, Westworld started at a certain level. And then season two is so confusing. It's oh so confusing, God, but they don't, and unlike Ben Hoff and Weiss or whatever, even their post episode, they don't really explain that. They was like, yo, you just got to no. think harder. Like, they're like, you just got to watch it again. Right. Like, oh, well. But I see, because this is a completely off topic. And I've been saying this since I first watched Westworld. Not only is Westworld like part Blade Runner, you know, in terms of robots, but, you know, robots is an allegory for slavery. But it's talking about video games. And it's specifically mm-hmm. referencing two of the biggest known video games, the biggest, most successful video games. The first two seasons is, is Red Dead Redemption. That's mm-hmm. a very popular video game. You play a cowboy, you kill people, you go hunt down things, do all this stuff. And I saw that series three teaser and I was like, oh shit, this is Grand Theft Auto. And when people see season three and it's back in their mind, they start seeing like, oh, they like, oh, look at Jesse Pigman. He's like living his life. And then like, oh, he's doing, he's robbing things and he's got to, He's, I'm telling you, this something's gonna click over once you get out of the the cowboys and shit, and you start getting to like jacking cars and robbing banks and killing people regular wilds. I bet you it'll click over. That and I think Watchmen <laughs> is gonna be huge. Watchmen is probably gonna be yeah. Big. Like I, I, yes, I think probably. I, you know, I don't know. I honestly, I can never tell like with HBO shows because I do know that they like kept, there was that number that kept floating around that was like 40% of people are going to cancel their HBO after Game of Thrones ends. So I don't know. So I don't know because it's like, I think their next like Big Little Lies premieres in June. And then I think Watchmen is like August or maybe like his dark materials is August. So I just feel, and Watchmen and excuse me, Westworld isn't until next year. So I feel like they don't, you know, like if you were interested in big little lies, you're obviously going to keep HBO, but if you're not drawn in by any of the other shows, then you're probably going to cancel it for the time being. So I don't know. It'll be, it'll be curious, but I'm really curious about season three of Westworld because that trailer was really good. I just don't know like how they like reset the story. I'm telling you, it is it is yeah shot for shot a Grand Theft Auto trailer. But yeah, I think what yeah. Watchmen has is that his brand awareness. There's the movie. Mm-hmm. It happens after mm-hmm. the comic book story, so that people who saw mm-hmm. the movie could probably still get into it. Just like yeah. they can get into it if you only re- and people can go read the book. And there's going to be a lot of thought thick pieces about Alan Moore. His work, the book yeah. again, just like yeah. as we did when the movie came out. They're gonna probably re-release the yeah. movie, and then there's the AT and T Warner Media app. That again, what they're planning to do is that they could charge you one price, and you get all the HBO stuff without actually subscribing to HBO. Oh, I didn't know that. And mm-hmm. then there's, okay. we don't also don't know how it's gonna connect to a people who have AT and T services like either Directv or people who have the phone mm-hmm. service that they might get certain things just bundled into their phone plan or their cable plan. But there's going to be a lot of things in which I think the nature of what HBO is, is changing because of the nature of what AT&T wants Warner Media to be. Because we're in, mm-hmm. we're in the streaming wars now. It's, we're like, we're at the end of the fucking, the Clone Wars movie where Yoda's like, 
begun the Clone Wars has, like begun the streaming war has. <laughs> Disney Plus comes this fall, and Warner's supposed to announce their pricing plans this fall, and it's about to get sticky. And mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen? Like, who knows if people who have people like me who have AT and T phone contracts might just get a bunch of this stuff because my bill isn't cheap. They might just, oh, here your bill is X amount. Here you go. And they'll just oh, people like oh shit I just watched this anyway like it's, it's I do things it's just part of my plan like I do things on Amazon just because I got Prime like oh you got free books I'll take that book oh you giving me a free show I'm gonna watch that show oh you giving me this oh all right I'm gonna listen to this song I'm paying for it anyway goddammit no 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 like I think that's what's gonna happen like, yeah and, and, but that's why I think it's a little bit hard because because of all the streaming I don't I think that there will be another show like you guys are saying, that will come along and, and have that same impact. But I don't think it will happen for a while. Even Maybe. even with Watchmen, I, I don't think that's going to like take off, at least not in the beginning. It won't take off the same way, but it'll just take longer because as, as we adjust to this new, because when Game of Thrones started, there wasn't much streaming. I think it was like Netflix. I don't even know if Hulu was it? around. Was, yeah, was, pretty much. And and, and Netflix's library was like very small con- compared to like what it is now. And now that there's so much out there and so much TV to watch, it's like harder for people to come together over one specific one when there's just so much for everyone for any genre, you know. So it might just take a while longer as we adjust in this to this all this you know, streaming stuff. I can't talk today. <laughs> I do think that once the Disney Plus app happens, I think there will be a lot of people watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier week one. And I mean, tens of millions. Because mm-hmm. it's only going to cost like $7. And they get to see all those people who saw Endgame knows what happened to the Falcon and Winter Soldier. So they're going to want to see what happens. And I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think a lot of people, and this is this is not knocking on you guys, but like people were saying a lot of this, like, what's the show that's gonna bring everyone together? I heard this at the end of Sopranos, I heard this at the end of Lost. Like, I'm like, Yeah. Well, it took them a couple years before it was another like The Walking Dead happened, and then like everybody was watching that. And it still gets like crazy numbers, but it's not where it used to be, and then like, you know. There's this. And I have a feeling that something else is going to pop up. Like, people who used to all stream House of Cards the first weekend. Like, all right. Like, that was a thing. I think there's stuff that will happen. It's just globally, I don't know if it'll be as big as Game of Thrones. Because I guess this was one of the most popular shows in the world of all time. Like, it was the global presence is huge. But let's be honest. Americans don't care about the world. We just talk about ourselves. We just care about what we like. And maybe Yeah, I think as consumers, yeah, like I think as consumers, that's definitely the case. I think your point, though, of the world is what I'm curious about in terms of like what becomes that show that literally everyone is talking about. Because like HBO clearly caught up on the fact that they had like a huge international presence as well. Whereas like Big Little Lies, obviously does not have that like these other like prestige shows that are still like popular here don't have that yet so that was kind of my question of like what is everybody gonna watch and like what becomes enough of a cultural phenomenon that there are like 
things like Black Twitter and Dem Thrones and other like cultural phenomena that go along with it. Like that's what I'm curious about, you know? So like that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like I don't know if there will ever be anything like that again. But I also feel like the flip side of saying something like that is like it gives so much credit to Benioff and Weiss and now they're going to do a Star Wars movie and it's just not going to be good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have no caring about like, you know, my caring about Star Wars movies is already pretty, pretty low. Yeah. Like, I want to see this yeah. is it Rise of the Skywalker shit to see it. Mm-hmm. This is what we got to do because we review movies. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, after this, yeah. like, I I couldn't care less. Like, I'm gonna watch Mandalorian because Star Wars TV shows happen to be good, but I don't care what I don't care what um Ryan Johnson makes up because I'm like, oh, the Last Jedi to me was trash, and it was because like I hate women. It's because yo that narrative is poor. Like Finn does the same thing from the first movie. Like I'm sitting here, I'm wasting my time for two and a half hours. But uh, you gonna give these two guys some movies too? Like. No, I'm good. Like, yeah, I'm done. Like, like I'll go see a Marvel movie over seeing another Star Wars movie. Y'all gotta give me a choice. Like, oh damn, I, I really don't. <laughs> and you know me, like, I saw Endgame just to, just to end it off. Like, I was like, whatever. Like, and I'm like, I don't need to see Spider Man. I don't need to see whatever hell else movie they come out with. Like, I'm done. Like, but they giving these guys Star Wars movie. Like, bruh, I don't. Who who cares, man? Like. Who, who? That's all you have to do. You don't even have to be good all the way through your story. You just have to have like one or two really, really high points, and you'll you'll get the treasure chest. I think that also affects the season. They didn't care anymore. I'm seeing cups and water <laughs> bottles and scenes. I'm like, oh, y'all just don't care. Y'all don't care. You're done. Yeah, and it's, it's aggravating because they they were given ten up like they could have had more time and they just didn't want to, which means that they're indifferent. Which means like if you don't care about your own story, why should we continue to care about your own story? Like you're not even putting in as much effort as you should be. So it's just as like a fan and you know critics, we're just super annoyed with them. <laughs> you wasted our time, goddammit. I ain't watching that. <laughs> That whatever what you mean the Golden Compass show? I ain't watching that shit. I ain't watching. Oh, it. They ain't fooling man. me again, goddammit. I am not. Ugh. I am not getting fooled again. I don't care. Okay, well you're gonna miss out. You're gonna no, miss out. That's fine. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Watch. Yeah, you are. Watch. You gotta yeah, have faith in these those people. Books are great. They might. I love be. those books so much. Y'all told me the Game They're of Thrones so books is fire, and it probably is fire. But guess who? What these guys messed that up. I'm are there. they um are they not on Audible? Are the Game of Thrones books not on Audible? Yeah, but I'm too busy listening to shit about like politics and like history of rap mm-hmm. music on, on Audible. Like the BC Boys book is okay. incredible. But uh you know, I'm listening to things like Yeah, Adam got me that for Christmas. I gotta read that. And if they, if the yeah. audiobook, I would almost suggest you read it with the audiobook because they do the voices. Like like <gasps> Mike D and Ad Rock read their parts and they also have like uh, friends of theirs that read certain things especially because MCA isn't alive so it's like uh, R.I.P. MCA yeah yeah so there's a lot of things mm-hmm. going on in the audiobook they really put a lot of care into it it's like it's like uh, when people tell me about like yo you should read the Tracy Morgan biography 
but you should also listen to it because he does it. He goes off script and talks about shit. Or when my man Aziz okay, sorry, awesome. had the uh, the romance book, I'm like, yeah, Rig is cool, but hearing him talk is completely different experience. So it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess as we uh, start talking about books and stuff, uh, I guess we're getting close to the end. But before we end this, yeah. Before we wrap up, I'm going to let you guys go because tomorrow's a school night. Tonight's a school night. Y'all got to go back to work tomorrow. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up with some with some Aladdin thoughts. I know oh May enjoyed okay. it. And I know Rocky yeah. didn't enjoy it as much. And I hated it. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, just give me some quick thoughts from both of you. May, you go first. Oh, God. You be our, you be our light in the darkness. You know what's sad is because I, I, I'm visiting my parents now, and I, I knew that they would like enjoy something like this, so I took them to see it. And a lot of the stuff, because I was thinking about what you wrote, Rocky, as well, because you just mm-hmm. like quote a book and everything, you get all into it. And um, a lot of those issues still stand, like when you really think about it. But mm-hmm. it's just it's just one of those things where. For me, it's like taking crumbs, you know, (laughs) the representation is really great, which is amazing because this is like the first film where Middle Eastern people are represented that are not just terrorists. They get to be uh, heroes. They get to have like, you know, authenticity as human beings in general, which is fantastic because that never happens in Hollywood. Um, So that's really good. And just as if we're going to just talk about like the film itself, it just, it's fine. It doesn't have the <laughs> magic of the, the first one. Like it's fine. It's fine. I mean, like Mina Masood is great. Like as Aladdin, I think he has a lot of charm. He has like that 100 watt smile. He's got the dimple. He's got that working for him. And he's like really great when he's playing really awkward Prince trying to charm Jasmine. So that's, Mm-hmm. Those were like some of the best parts of the film. I think when the film doesn't try so hard to be an exact replica, it works more. But then when mm-hmm. it tries to like copy certain aspects of the original or try to make them quote unquote better, you know, that's where it kind of falters a lot. Um, like Jasmine's new song, which, you know, you can listen to it on Spotify or on the radio type stuff, but it's, it doesn't fit the film and it did it. I don't think it like needed to be there specifically. It felt more like a frozen song, this power ballad of, of, you know, girl power feminism. But for me, like I've always thought Jasmine was a feminist. So like I, these upgrades didn't feel like upgrades to me in a lot of instances. Um, But, and and obviously like the costumes are a mishmash of like multiple cultures. um, and, And it's because like there was no representation behind the scenes because it was like directed by, Guy Ritchie and, and had that production I think it was like the costume designer from the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones which was interesting um, <laughs> and yeah <laughs> but like if I'm just like mindlessly watching it it is enjoyable like it has moments where you're just like yeah I can get into this and then other moments where you're just like oh my god I can't believe they did that so for me it was like as a Disney film, as a Disney adaptation, it was better than like, say, like I didn't really like Beauty and the Beast that much. And I'm not, um, I think my favorite one before this was like the Jungle Book. So it's 
up there, but that's really not saying much either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will go next. Thank you for your thoughtful reactions, May, because I know that you were going to be positive in a way that I'm not sure either <laughs> Julian or I am going to be. Um, yeah. I mean, I think like, and now we know that it made a bunch of money this weekend. I think it made over a hundred million and worldwide, I think it made 207 million. So financially, honestly, financially, I am glad that it was a success and I'm a little surprised that it was a success because Dumbo just came out a little while ago and Dumbo um, is not doing so hot and I think it's already out of theaters and so I think there was a question of like will the Disney live action machine keep rolling along in a year when there are four of them there was Dumbo and Aladdin and there's going to be Maleficent and the Lion King and so in that way yes I am very pleased that it did well. It proves that like the audience is there, but my frustration with something on the flip side of that is like, is the audience there for these stories or are they there because it's Disney? And like the closest analog that I can think of is something like crazy rich Asians where crazy rich Asians also was like, you know, quote unquote, a chance for a studio film with like an all Asian and Asian American cast. And that also made a bunch of money and it didn't have that like Disney name recognition so like in that way i kind of wish we were dealing with like a crazy rich asian situation where it was an original story and like it demonstrated that like the audience is there my frustration with this is like i don't know if we know if the audience is there for disney or if the audience is there for this representation so like i think it's awesome that it made a bunch of money i'm really pleased i'm also hesitant that I don't know what that actually means if it means something if it means nothing so like from the business standpoint there's that and then like the film itself I agree with you May like there's some things that work like I think Mina Masood is amazing and I don't want to pretend that the animated version is like super authentic either because it's Mm -hmm. not clearly. Um, But I think my frustration with this is that it felt like a lot of the changes fit into these stereotypical ideas about the Middle East that as much as this movie has like really great representation, I think it still projects these ideas that like fit into people's stereotypes like Jafar gets this like whole new storyline where he wants to like overthrow the kingdom and like take over all these other kingdoms and basically like create like his own empire, which seemed to me very influenced by something like the Islamic state and like Jasmine, they hint almost that like her mother was like murdered or assassinated. And so it felt like she was being, you know, not necessarily um, like, protected because she was a princess but protected because we're used to this stereotype of like middle eastern men being overprotective of women so like there were still some elements of the film that i just i think still fit into these like traps that we have about like the middle east and it's interesting there was a comment from someone on my um review 
who said that like he, he or she or they did not agree with my review because like I talked about how like you said, May, like the costumes feel indicative of one culture and the terms like Fulton and Vizier are indicative of another culture. And it felt like this mishmash of things. And this person said like, actually like the Middle East at that time was like a great melting pot. And like there was North African and Indian and like all this other representation. And I totally agree. Like obviously like the Silk Road made the Middle East somewhere that was influenced by a lot of different cultures and ethnicities, but you need context to prove that. And the movie does Mm -hmm. not provide that context. Like there's no explanation of why would Jasmine be wearing like Bollywood costumes? <laughs> why is like, why is Aladdin living in something that is clearly like a Muslim influenced architecture design when Agraba doesn't have any religious structures? And I feel like those things can be super fixed by a more thoughtful script. And the movie just didn't have that. So I feel like, like you said, May, it's like looking for crumbs. It's like in terms of the diverse cast, awesome i didn't entirely hate will smith so like that was good i do think there are certain things they do like you said that make middle eastern characters heroes but i feel like there are still these ways that these stories falter in not feeling authentic and it just didn't feel authentic to me um so i guess i'm the middle opinion and julian is going to be the 100 percent hate opinion so julian what were your thoughts yeah, I guess, you know, I wrote a review about this movie and I was actually kind of nice to it. Like I gave it probably actually a higher score than what my actual personal beliefs is because I was trying to be objective. I was sitting in this movie like this is a waste of this is a waste of time. Like there's nothing in this movie that I needed to see in live action compared to the old movie. Like there's nothing here. Like Maleficent is a reimagining of, of Sleeping Beauty. Cinderella is Cinderella. It's like all right. It's like with all with. It's like without all the songs. So it's just like a mm-hmm. nice little, like fairy tale like fantasy in the past movie. Uh, Jungle Book was was interesting because it was like CG animals. So all the animals are like the real animals. And then you get to Dumbo, and I was like, "Oh, y'all took all the you took the crows out because y'all scared of black people." So this movie is lesser for it. And then we get to this movie, and the movie's two hours long, and it doesn't do enough with the story as much as the old movie did. It's less dynamic in, in, in terms of its visuals. Like the Cave of Wonders is weak. It looks like a Disneyland uh, stand. Uh, the whole thing looks like a live musical that you would watch on NBC or Fox. Like those events they try to do like once a quarter or something to get people to watch live television. The whole movie takes place in like three areas. Uh, the, as Meg alluded to earlier, Jasmine's songs doesn't fit the rest of the movie. It's not that the songs are bad. It's like they didn't care about writing the songs in the same type of chord progression or melody or rhythms or structures or sounds or even influences of the culture of random of if you're going to make it okay you want to make it kind of sound persian or you want to make it kind of sound saudi or do you want to make it kind of sound this or that like you guys didn't even try like she's just singing some broadway song in the middle of the movie yeah. 
And yeah, it was very like Kelly Clarkson 2001 power battle. It, it, it didn't yeah. work. And it was, it's like this one is the first one that felt like even Beauty and the Beast was kind of spectacle to a point. It was like the first mm-hmm. time it was like, we're just going to remake the movie with people. And I was like, all right, okay, you did it. It's like the first time you watched Sin City, it's like, oh, you remade the comic book with the movie. Okay, I never need to see this again. But here we go. And the movie's longer. The the main guy, he is good. I almost think they changed his voice to sound like the original voice actor when he's singing. Uh, I don't believe that's a singing voice. I, I don't. It, it sounds too close to the original movie. I almost think they they hmm. auto tuned him. Like they, I think they auto tuned him and hers because when they're singing, when they're singing a whole new world, they sound too close to the original one. And I was hmm. like. Because her singing voice in that isn't the same than when she's singing her own songs. I'm like, y'all auto-tune this shit. Y'all, y'all can't prove it, but y'all auto-tune this shit. Uh, you're actually, you're actually going to devote the rest of your life to conducting no. an investigation. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. But if I ever get in the room with people, I'll be like, y'all change the voices sound more like the original movie, right? And I was like, if they don't tell me yes, I'm like, you a liar. But uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it felt. Uh, if people are excited and people were entertained, more powder to them. I'm like, this was a waste of my fucking time. And, and I'm low key mad that I had to sit through this shit. And, <laughs> and I'm going to be nice to y'all. So y'all won't be, so y'all could be like, Oh yeah, I want to take the kids to this. I'm like, y'all, y'all could have just showed an original movie, but Hey, people hate 2d animation yeah. now. So, all right. Like I'm salty. Like y'all, like y'all got good ass. Like now it's just like the Lion King. It's just like this don't even look as good as the as the old movie. It's just I don't no. need to see real ass lions singing. Right. Like right. this is no fun. Like it don't <laughs> right. even have the character. Like didn't you tweet something earlier? Was like where's all the color? Like they got yes, the they images matching. I'm like, yeah, man. It's like y'all got all this CG. Y'all can't y'all can't wrap this up. Like it's it's not a live yeah. action movie. Like it's right. CG. You can right. make it brighter, like, um, like right. yeah, like Magic mm-hmm. Carpet in this movie, he wasn't even any different. People were like, oh man, he has so much character. It's like, nah, it's the same. They didn't even change anything. Like, some of the animation is exactly the same. Like, it's good that they replicated it in the CG, but it's the same shit. Like, yeah, like I anything. loved Magic Carpet, right? Like, I loved Magic Carpet, but he does the exact same stuff as he did in the animated movie. He laughs at Aladdin. He's best friends with the genie. He and Abu are close. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing new to any of that. So yeah, it's this question, and I think it's going to be the question that we have with all of these live action movies: is like, do we want anything to change, or do we want them to be exactly the same? And I think there's like definitely a line they have to walk. Like, I really did not mind that Cinderella didn't have any songs. Like, I think Cinderella might actually be my favorite of these adaptations. So great. like. It was great. You know, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. The only one I want to see, so we'll see, is Hercules, because I want it to be gospel are music. They, the fuck out. That's it. Are they a hundred percent doing Hercules? No, I just I assume they're redoing they're all of them. It. I think they're redoing all of them. So oh, I, I don't. I see. <laughs> Eventually, I they'll they make a Hercules. <laughs> yeah, they're like, doing I Mulan. They're, they're going to do doing, Hercules. I thought they were only doing the princess one. But I guess Lion King isn't really a princess one, but it's also the one that made the most money. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Mulan, yeah, Lady know. and the Tramp comes out on Disney Plus, Cruella. Um, mm-hmm. 
Like, I won't get interested until they start making the stuff that wasn't hits. Like, Aristocats, Oliver and Company. Yeah. Like, Excuse me, the rescuers. The, first <laughs> of all, don't get me started on the rest. Like, I need, like, I have a whole, like, idea for, like, the rescuers and the Great Mouth Detective and Rescue Rangers. Like, I can't even put that out because I know mm. they'll steal that shit. But, yo, like, the rescuers with, like, some CG-looking real-ass mice and they in the bayou and they got to save the kid. Yo, that, yo, like, I, like, fuck, you know what? I love Lion King. Fuck live action, that shit. Make that shit, make that shit make $400 million. That's, to me, that's impressive. Yeah. Make Aristocats make $300 million. Make Oliver and Company make that money. If you make me freaking gospel Kirk Franklin Hercules, I'm, I'll see that three times with money. That would be wild. I, I would be so excited <laughs> if that was going to happen. Zeus with like the church, the insane. Baptist church like robe dancing or something and evil ass Hades, you know? Oh, ooh. ooh. But they making all this other bullshit. Like, make me Hercules. I need these people singing. I'm already lining up for this movie and slamming it out. <laughs> I, need, I need to give me a check, man. Why can't nobody give me those drill checks? I can make people lots of money. That would be funny. But yeah, all right, guys. That would be um, hilarious. I'm going to let y'all go. I want you guys to give people how they can follow you and find you online. Um, all right, may you go first. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at M A E A B D U, <laughs> and that, I mean that's where I mostly hang out. Um, again, I'm at theownfocus.com and moviesismay.com. Yeah, I think that's it. Please don't talk me on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> that's funny. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's Roxana R O X A N A underscore Hadadi H A D A D I. And May and I are both on Rotten Tomatoes, so you can find a lot of our work archived there. And you can find my stuff on Pajiba.com and um, yeah, Bright Wall Dark Room and some other places. So, you know, just go on Twitter and go from there. All right, guys. Thank you for um, thank you for being on my show again. And I hope you I have you guys on the next time we can talk about something like a lot more positive or something. Para matar, bájale. Los flecos, las trenzas para matar, bájale. El aire, los pardos para matar.